It's August 17th, 2022, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Cotnor. Our top stories today. Rayla Odinga has rejected the results of Kenya's presidential election, saying that the figures announced on Monday were null and void. According to the official results, Mr. Odinga narrowly lost to Deputy President William Ruto. Mr. Odinga accused the chairman of the electoral body, Wafulu Chebukati, of gross impunity, saying his team will pursue all legal options. He called his declaration a major setback to Kenyan democracy that could trigger a political crisis. Mr. Odinga has been a perennial candidate and has challenged the results of the last two elections in the Supreme Court. South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol said this morning his government has no plans to pursue its own nuclear deterrent in the face of growing North Korean nuclear weapons capabilities, even as the North fired two suspected cruise missiles toward the sea in the latest display of an expanding arsenal. Yoon's call for Pyongyang to return to diplomacy aimed at exchanging denuclearization steps for economic benefits came hours after the South's military detected that the North fired the missiles from the western coastal town of Anchan toward the sea. North Korea has a history of dialing up pressure on South Korea when it doesn't get what it wants from the United States, and there are concerns that North Korea's threat portends a provocation, which could include a nuclear or missile test, or even border skirmishes. Finland's government announced Tuesday it would reduce Russian visas by 90% due to Moscow's ongoing war on Ukraine. The Finnish foreign minister said that starting in September, Finland would accept only 10% of visa applications by Russian tourists. This means Finland would accept only 100 visa applications daily compared with the 1,000 successful applications per day presently. Exceptions could be made for some groups, like journalists, dissidents, or activists, via a potential national humanitarian visa. Russian travel bans are continuing to divide the EU, as Ukraine continues to demand a prohibition. While the Czech Republic, Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia, and Poland stopped issuing certain visas in order to increase pressure on Moscow, Germany has refused to do so. In my opinion, as we start using more Baroque tools to attempt to push back against Russia, we have to keep in mind what the goal is. Russia is not a democracy. Angering a few thousand Russians by preventing them from traveling won't do much to change the mind of the government but it would mean fewer Russians would be able to be exposed to Western ideas and Western media. My suggestion would be, instead of doing travel bans, to do the opposite. Allow more Russians to leave Russia, but only if they're willing to do so permanently. Bring the best and brightest from Russia, and leave Putin brain-drained and alone. Elsewhere, Cuba says it will allow foreign investors into its wholesale and retail trade for the first time in 60 years. The move is a major shift for the island nation's communist government 
and overturns a 1960s Fidel Castro policy of nationalizing retail. Cuba is facing its most severe economic crisis in decades, with rising prices and public discontent. The policy aims to tackle shortages of basic goods, like food and medicine, but stops short of fully opening trade. Government officials said that foreign investors would be able to wholly or partially own Cuba-based wholesalers. At least 17 locations were hit by a wave of attacks in the rest of south of Thailand, officials said this morning. The bombings and arson attacks, mostly targeting convenience stores and a gas station across three provinces, left seven people injured. The seemingly coordinated attacks happened after midnight, military spokesman Pramod Pramin said. The attackers dressed up as women, using motorcycles, and in many cases using petrol bombs, throwing them into the target sites. No one has claimed responsibility yet for these attacks. At least three Syrian soldiers have been killed and six wounded in a Turkish air raid on military posts in the Aleppo countryside, Syrian state news agency SANA quoted a military source as saying. Syrian armed forces responded to Tuesday's attack and caused material and human losses in some Turkish army positions and those of Turkey-backed opposition fighters, the official said without giving any further details. The reported attacks took place near the town of Kobane, held by the United States-backed Kurdish-led Syrian Democratic Forces and the site of overnight clashes between the group and Turkish forces. There was no immediate comment from Turkey. Australia's former Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, said today he decided to be secretly sworn in to five key ministries during the coronavirus pandemic because he felt responsibility for the nation was his alone. Morrison, who stepped down as leader of the Liberal Party after losing a general election in May, addressed a news conference to answer a barrage of criticism from the Labour government and his own party over the unprecedented assumption of powers. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said Morrison had attacked the Westminster system of government by secretly appointing himself to five portfolios, including home affairs, treasury, health, finance, and resources between 2020 and 2021. Three of the ministers were unaware Morrison shared power over their ministries until the revelation this week, they said. In lighter news, researchers in Australia and the United States are embarking on a multi-million dollar project to bring the Tasmanian tiger back from extinction. The last known one, officially called a thylacine, died in the 1930s. The team behind the bid say it can be recreated using stem cells and gene editing technology, and the first thylacine could be reintroduced in the wild in 10 years' time. The animal earned its nickname of Tasmanian tiger for the stripes along its back, but it was actually a marsupial, the type of Australian mammal that raises its young in a pouch. This latest project is a partnership between scientists at the University of Melbourne and Texas-based company Colossal. That's all the news we have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. 
If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief and bonus weekend briefs. Last weekend, I spoke with Tiseke Kasambala, Director of Africa Programs at Freedom House, about the recently released U.S. strategy towards Sub-Saharan Africa. Go to thedsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes to read our sources and tune into our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief. <laughs>